Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, this week, I'm super excited. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk with Alex Barnett. Um, last time Alex was on the show, she was on it with her husband, Billy. Um, and that was like a couple years ago. Uh, and so much has changed in her world since then. Uh, the big thing is she has become a mom. And you know what's funny is I had my leadership class kids. We were learning about the idea of like a paradigm shift. And I had them email their parents uh, about, you know, what's the time? We're learning about paradigm shifts in leadership class. What's the time in your life you've had a paradigm shift? Every single parent was like, well, obviously, like the the biggest paradigm shift of all time was when, you know, I, I be, when they became a parent, you know, and I know for me, it was definitely this huge shift in how I viewed the world. Um, and so in this episode with Alex, what I wanted to do is one, I wanted to hear about her experience at the Hurt 100 because she's she crushed it. And that race is sounds like insane and kind of fascinates me but at the same time I wanted to hear and kind of just like bounce ideas off her about perspective change maybe or just like experience change of when you're doing these big adventures or you're doing like a hundred mile race or a big challenge um is there a difference from doing this when you're a parent versus when you're doing this when you're not a parent and since she's a new parent, I thought she'd have kind of this like fresh, interesting perspective on it. Um, and I'm super excited to share the conversation with you guys um, because it was like I I just really wanted to talk about being a parent and what that's like when you're also, you know, an athlete and you're also someone who's taking on some of these big challenges. So. Uh, yeah, let's get right into it though. I'm super excited. Uh, this is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 293 with Alex Barnett. Alex, thanks for coming on. Yeah, I was uh, stoked you asked me to come on. I, you know, didn't have a anything all that exciting happen. So it's a little bit of honored and surprised, but glad to glad to um be here yeah i'm pretty sure when i talked to you and billy you guys i'm trying to remember i don't i don't know if you were married yet yeah i i don't think we were it's been a while it's been a while since we talked yeah that is yeah that's so wild and then i was honored to, when you guys had me on on your show um yeah. you and Alyssa, that was super cool yeah that was fun it's it's nice to talk to other people that I think appreciate podcasts as well as understand the production side of it. So it's, um, you know, it, it, if somebody's just real cut and dry, sometimes it's a harder conversation to have. <laughs> totally. I, 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 I appreciate that you think I know how the production side of this goes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're like almost 300 episodes in and I'm like, every once in a while there'll be an audio thing. I'm like, how did that, how did that happen? <laughs> but yeah. Well, you know more than I do. Let's always handle that side of our podcast. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do. I so I want us kind of start with uh, the Hurt One Hundred. Um, okay. I read up a little bit. I read your like race report online today, um, and I 
I guess one, the way to start, like you, you signed up for it 16 days prior to the event. Yeah. So I, I mean, I had registered when everybody else registered, obviously. Um, and I was, I don't know, 90 something on the wait list, I believe. And so, well, I'm not getting in, but, um, as we all know, ultra runners are a, um, eclectic group of extreme personalities. So I think it seems like ultra runners in general are like, yeah, I don't know if we can talk politics or medical, but they're very pro vaccine or very anti vaccine. There's not a whole lot of people that are like myself that are just pretty moderate. Yeah. So, um, I think, you know, hurt had to require a vaccine to be able to participate. It wasn't what they wanted to do. Um, John and PJ actually voted to not have the race because they didn't want to have the race in a manner that they felt wasn't open to everybody. And they didn't want to have the race in a manner that wasn't, um, the way they like to put the race on where you have these massive aid stations and it's very yeah. inclusive family and a lot of volunteers. And so they, they actually didn't want to have the race. I don't think a lot of people realize that they got attacked really hard for, um, requiring vaccines, but that was just, um, you know, they're, they're a nonprofit and that was what the board decided to do was to do the race. And that's what their permitting required. And I don't think a lot of people saw that back inside. They saw it as some political move or yeah. something. So yeah. So it's a lot somehow of 90 people off the wait list now, is that, is that kind of why are you like attributing to that? Yeah, definitely. Because normally it's about 30 people move off the wait list. Yeah. So this time, um, it was 100%, you know, a political medical situation. And I get that. And also maybe just people not wanting to travel during COVID as well. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's a 20 minute flight, 30 minute flight. So I felt pretty good about it. Um, it was definitely the longest I've been away from my son. So I literally had to, well, we'll get into it, but it was a very timeline to make it to the airport to get home. Um, so, you know, I, I could not run the maximum amount of time that the race gives you and still make it on my flight was how yeah. I had both things. So, <laughs> well, let me kind of, okay. So I guess the two topics I really want to talk with you about today is hurt 100, but also being an athlete and being a new mom and like how you balance those kind of things. And I think like in yeah. this case, it kind of blends together, but I want to hear your perspective about this. Like when you go out and do like a big trail run or an adventure or a race like this in the back of your mind, there's probably something new and different, like being a new mom, you know, like at least I know when I go out and I'm out in the mountains and it's like a long day out, I'm, I am in the back of my mind at some point conscious of like the amount of time I have to get home and do all that stuff, you know? <laughs> Much more conscious about my timing just because um as you know my husband you, you guys have talked to your friends um you know he's a runner too so it's it's not just me trying to get in this hobby but ultimately trying to make sure that we have a balance that feels fair and good for both of us and we both work you know full-time or sometimes slightly more than full-time so um yeah, that balance is changing like you said you're 300 podcast in and you have no idea what you're doing I'd say I'm about 300 days parenting and I have no idea what I'm doing. So hey, spoiler um, alert, when you get eight years into parenting, you still have no idea what you're doing. So crap. <laughs> I was hoping turned a year, we'd like click and I would know what I was doing. They give you a book at a year. It's like and you're like, oh, oh okay. Oh <laughs> I don't know if there's like an initiation you got like, oh yeah. 
I was hoping with that COVID vaccine, I could get a microchip that would update. <laughs> yeah, no. I, the initiation <laughs> is the first time your kid spits up on you and you're like, okay. Oh, I've done that one a lot. So <laughs> I should No, no. Um, so, yeah, it's a working balance. I would say um, Billy and I, I just got permission for it this morning, but Billy and I have contributed um, some to Chris McDougall's next book that's going to launch on actually on this very topic. So I wanted to kind of get his permission, but, you know, to spoiler his book, but we're actually helping contribute a chapter or two on kind of parenting and co-life balance. And um, I think the best thing I have to offer is neither of us know what we're doing. And it comes down to, marital communication and making sure that we both feel things are fair and with me I um I have ADHD really badly so I tend to write everything down and plan everything out that way but Billy's a verbal communicator so it's important for me and our relationship to say hey on Tuesday I want to do this just Mm. reminding my head I know I wrote it down a month ago so I just you know would naturally assume he would you know read my notes and know exactly what I'm thinking but turns out that's not always the case so i'm with billy i relate a lot to billy in this uh but it's it is funny like it just brings this whole new level of communication between you and you know your partner which is really it's really cool it like deepens the relationship i think so absolutely i think um they say that like marital rate like divorce rates are i don't know like something like six or seven times more in the first year of having a kid and i would say it's kind of like an ultra, like it's, um, you have to really like grit your teeth in and bear in and like be willing to work at things. And I like it. Like, I think our relationship's better than it was before we had a kid. Um, but I would say that comes with work and that comes with like, Hey, what are you wanting to do this week? And we, we kind of go through this every week. Hey, what are you trying to do? What does your schedule look like? What does my schedule look like? Okay. If I run this night, do you want to run that night? You know, and just kind of working that out. Um, currently I'm training again for a hundred miler and this time I actually know I'm going to do it instead of jumping in with no training. So now I'm trying to get a little more mileage than I did going into hurt and trying to actually feel more trained, but that means some stroller miles, which I don't, you know, in all honesty, I don't love stroller running. Um, it's not the same as trail running. It's, it's still a good sport, but it's not the same. So you get that resistance as the kid gets bigger, you get more and more resistance. I feel like there is enough resistance with that stroller there. We have two very, very nice strollers. We are very privileged in that respect. And I I don't love either of them. So (laughs) I, I think it's important to do that because everybody always glamorized stroller running to me. That was apparent. And I feel like they all lied. Like they just wanted me to be trapped in the same hellhole. And so I want to be honest, everybody out there thinking about reproducing, running with the strollers, not the same. It can be awful. It can be hard but it's a way to get a run in and that's cool. So that's right. You get, so I, I know for my oldest, my oldest is who I normally stroller ran with. Cause then by the time I had my second one, she didn't want to be in it. It was a whole thing, you know, but my oldest was like, we'd get halfway out exactly like every time, exactly halfway in the loop or whatever. And then she'd, if she was napping, she'd wake up or, or whatever she would get, she would be fed up with the stroller at that point. And I'm like, we are exactly halfway. I got to speed yeah. this up. <laughs> and I've been running a little bit faster sometimes than I intended to, because I'm like, okay, get it over with. 
But uh, I've recently figured out if he gets out, we take the diaper off, he gets to pee on the side of the road and, you know, probably horrify some drivers, then things get better. So (laughs) that's awesome, though. You're like connecting him with nature and peeing outdoors, which is always a good thing, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, yeah, my child is peeing outside. He's not a year old, but he gets to do that. So (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. I love that. Um, My new favorite, I have two favorite photos of him and weirdly they're both naked so I don't really post them but one is the other day he was peeing and he was just like holding the stroller wheel looking at me as he's peeing on the tire and I couldn't help it I had to take a photo (laughs) and the other he's on the beach and I'm like man like I'm gonna keep these photos because these are I don't know if you know if he ever wants to get married or something but I'm gonna find a way to embarrass him with these photos in the future oh that's high school prom that's high school prom material yeah, some, something like that. These will, <laughs> you know, if he had a Facebook account photo of him peeing on a tire, it would totally be his cover photo. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, so I saw the Hurt 100. Um, you're kind of, I don't know if it's your mantra or whatever, but you wrote it on your hand, just be in the moment. Can you kind of talk yeah. about like what that meant to you in that race? Yeah, so I have a very, group of clients um I coach a lot of people for like ultra and trail running but um I also coach just because of where we live a lot of retirement people kind of eclectic people in my neighborhood and um I weirdly after 20 years of personal training people and never once having this happen I now have three clients who are psychics so I don't know what the mathematical odds of that are but it's interesting So I currently have three clients who are psychics and, um, one of them, like, I don't know, two days before I go to the race, like just stops me in the middle of our workout. And she goes, I had a vision. You fell. It was really bad. And I'm like, Oh, well, this is comforting. It's like the only way to stop hurting yourself really bad is you have to be in the moment. If you're not in the moment, I I can't tell you how bad it is. It's, it's awful. Just be in the moment. And I was like, okay, that's comforting. (laughs) So I'm flying to hurt last minute. I'm like, okay, I have no training really for this race. I'm just going with general health and like some base baseline fitness. I'm going to be in the moment. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be in the moment because I have no idea what's coming. And I really don't want to fall really badly or whatever she saw. So I, I didn't push. I just decided that she was right. And so, um, but I think it actually really helped. I, um, I think a lot of times in ultras, I've tried to like kind of distract myself from the process. Like I've listened to music. I have a podcast. I've even been like phoned a friend before when I'm, you know, really bored out there. And this time I didn't really listen to music until the back end of the race. I tried to appreciate each high and low, like for what it was like, Hey, this is this moment. And this is my first time away from my son for more than five or six hours. Um, be, appreciate this because this is one it's like mom's day off but two like appreciate this moment because a lot of people wanted to get into this race and didn't a lot of people would love to have the money to fly from one island they live on in Hawaii to live on to go to another island in Hawaii and see these trails that are like bucket list trails for people and I have to see them over and over and over again but at least I get to see them and so just like really focusing on being I guess, appreciative of that moment and the uniqueness of my situation that, you know, 
my son wasn't even a year old and here I am like doing what is often touted as a really hard hundred miler. Um, I always say herd isn't hard. It's just a hiking fest, but that offends people. So we could sidetrack from that. Well, um, I think too, like, I mean, I don't know. That's a lesson I've learned just through trail running in general. Like as soon as you're not in the moment, as soon as, well, and this was early on when I started like in Virginia where it's really rooty and rocky and stuff like that. Um, but as soon as I would start thinking about something else or like start worrying about something, I would face plant. Like most times I would go out for a run. And so it was just this reminder of like, be present, make sure you know where you're stepping and how you're feeling. So you don't do that. For sure. And I think that was, yeah, not, not that she's not psychic, but, um, it was just a good reminder. It was good timing. Super on her. good. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, I know your audience literally knows nothing about me because nobody cares. Um, but I broke my back at hurt a few years ago. So that's always in my head when I'm on those trails is like, Hey, be in the moment. You're going to like, you know, eat shit and break your back again. So no. I don't know if, if she did have a vision, it could have been of that, you know? Yeah. Can I hear about that? I don't, I didn't know about that. <laughs> And, but okay. I think people should know about you because you're awesome. So there you go. Well, thanks. Um, yeah, no, nothing special. I just, my first attempt at hurt, I, um, I fell like six or seven miles into the race, uh, before the very first aid station. And I thought I just like, it, well, whatever, we'll just be honest here. I actually very distinctly remember as it was falling, don't land on your face because at the time I was married to someone else and I knew he would be upset. Uh -oh. He'd be upset if I um, had a cut on my face. And so I tried to kind of tuck and roll. And when I did, I ended up kind of harpooning my lower spine on um, a large rock. And I didn't realize I had um, broken it until I think mile 60, I had been running with Anna and she, um, I had called my ex-husband at the time and he, I don't know if she called medical or they, or he called medical, but they made me stop for a medical examination and they stopped me and they said, Hey, you're the, I think you're the second person of all time, but we're not going to let you continue this race. Come back next year. And I went to the ER and they did some x-rays and they're like, I think you're fine. And then like two days later, they called me and they're like, you have these and these fractures. You're not fine at all. Like, please don't run. I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have run 50 some miles on that. But did you tell them that? Were you like, hey, I actually did run and it was 50 some <laughs> miles. I think I just dropped. I had like a 50 mile one day and a 50k the next day I was about to do in Hong Kong and I was like maybe I should just do the 50k next month maybe I yeah wow. I commonly um high up in my vocabulary at that point in my life that is wild I mean I always hear about her just being you know slippery and rudy and all this stuff like I mean can you kind of try to describe that like I mean it's obviously as intense in that sense as people people have said it is, but I think there's just, um, the reason those trails are not always my favorite and I don't know, you know, um, there's kind of some dark energy in that, in those trails. And, you know, like my friend Mallory happened to break her ankle in the exact same spot. I broke my back and this is, you know, it's just, 
it's got kind of some heavy energy there. Um, I would say the trails in general, they're muddy and they're rooty, but they're nothing the Appalachian Trail or anywhere yeah. else doesn't have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When you, so I was, I'm really curious about this and I was like, maybe this is the like main idea of all of these podcasts that I've done. But when you talked about like being in the moment, can you kind of try to describe like what that felt like? And then what I just, I'm, I'm really curious about like, what is it about these like extreme challenges that brings people to that feeling? You know, I think there's a lot of ways to get there, right? Like I think there you, you know, there's people like my psychic clients that can meditate and get to that same mind state. There's people that need to run a hundred miles to like zen their brain out that I'm probably on that category. There's people that, you know, they can garden and find themselves completely present looking at a leaf or a flower. And I think ultimately there's some, there's some power about nature that when we're in it, um, whether it takes a minute or, you know, 24 hours, it brings you to the present moment and, you know, nothing else, like, as you know, with having kids, like nothing else really exists. Like it's awful, but you know, either one of us could die in a car wreck tomorrow. And, you know, so why not be a little more cheerful with your kid today, even if they do, you know, spill water on, you know, your favorite shoes or something like, you know, there's just no. And I think that this sport in general attracts people that are on extremes, like I had mentioned. And so people that maybe would be drug addicts or alcoholics tend to find this sport. People that maybe feel like the odd man out a little, you know, we're kind of, um, my husband phrased it really well talking about where we live actually, but I think it applies to ultra running as well. It's kind of like, um, he called it the big Island, the Island of people that are broken toys, you know, like broken toys come here and we, we, we have mismatching puzzle pieces, but we're all, you know, kind of a little different, but we're all here. And I think that's similar for ultra running too. Yeah. And I think like in the ultra running community, you like get that sense. And it's this cool, like people finding each other, but also being okay to like, kind of show who they actually, like who they are authentically and kind of like some of their weirdness and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, I really like that about the sport. It's probably why I've stuck with it for so long. Um, but yeah, it, it was really cool for me because it was the first thing I've done as a mother that was 100% for myself. And so I think that's why it was really cool to be there. Yeah. And I really just appreciate that because, you know, as a parent, you ultimately get less time to do things completely for yourself. At least I think if you're not a completely crappy parent, those times should maybe be minimized a little bit. They should, but you also, when you get those opportunities, like, I think you appreciate them a little bit more than you, at least for me, I'm speaking from my own experience, but I feel like I appreciate them more than I had previously. Absolutely. I, I definitely do. And I also, you know, it's made trail running more fun because when I don't have a stroller, I appreciate it that much more. Or, you know, when I do do something that's completely you know, go run for 20 miles or go have a glass of wine with a girlfriend, you know, that is completely just for me. Those times I think are a little more savored. And I think that's what I was trying to do at Hurt is really tap into no matter what it felt like physically, because I didn't get a chance to really train the way I would have liked, um, 
to just appreciate the moment. And so, you know, I think that says a lot because I've done hurt before where I was training 40 to 50 hours a week, cross training, a lot of cycling, but I was biking like two to 300 miles a week. I was running 60 to 80. I was swimming like 20 miles a week. And I came into hurt and I was, you know, I was burnt out. I was unhealthy. I was stressed. And that, that performance at hurt was several hours lower than when I was running 20 to 30 miles a week and focusing completely on my kid. That's- and I think the change was maybe physical, but it was definitely my mental approach. Yeah. Well, and I, I think in your post, you wrote something and you said being healthy and mentally strong is key in ultras. Um, can you kind of like, like expand on that idea? Like, what do you mean by that? Sure. So like, I actually, well, I was a little, little emotional about this this weekend. And I posted that this was like my favorite client achievement of all time, but my client Janine recently, I hope she doesn't mind me sharing. I don't think she will. Um, She's a mid to back of the pack runner. Um, She'd never done a 50 miler. She wanted to do it for her 50th birthday, you know, year time. She picked a dream race. Um, I think Antelope Canyon, she had a couple girlfriends. I I don't know. They've been her friends for a long time, but they weren't runners, but they literally trained to become runners so they could pace her in just like this really big event. And she hired me for it. We coached for it. And everything went pretty good until a few months ago. And, you know, she found out her mom was dying and, you know, she had to go um, be somewhere really cold. There's a lot of snow on the ground. She really wasn't able to train at all the way she would have wanted to. And it didn't matter. And she still finished. And I think she was one of the last finishers. In fact, I called her in her last mile and she's like, yeah, I'm not going to make cutoffs. And I was like, the fuck you're not sprint woman. (laughs) She was so like calm about it. I was like, hell no, you can run fast. You don't do it very often. Move your ass. (laughs) So I'm like yelling at her on the phone, but she sprinted and she, she got her finish. And, you know, I think that that says a lot right there because she did the biggest, hardest ultra run she's ever done by a lot with literally the last few months of her training kind of going to crap. And she had, you know, some injuries pop up. She had a lot of emotional stress, but she's strong. And I think that to me is what's interesting about this sport, because now that she knows she can do that, what happens when she does train? What happens when she doesn't have a ton of emotional and mental stress and she isn't, you know, trying to parent her kids across the country while also watching her you know, mother pass away. Like what happens when things go well? Because now she knows what she's capable of when things are crappy. And so like that for me, I think is what's interesting about the sport is, you know, I did hurt and I did my best performance and I placed and I wasn't in great shape, like per se for ultra running, but I, I know how strong the mind is. And so for me, I, when I got the the email, I was like, ah, crap, this is a really good time to test what I always tell people is possible. But <laughs> I love that. No, that's awesome. It's that inner strength that you're talking about. That is, yeah, I, it's so like, even just going to an ultra and maybe like working in aid station or like being at the finish line or whatever, 
but to see that inner strength is what is so incredibly inspiring to me. Like it's amazing. And I think that's why when people look at ultra runners, they say, oh, there's no body type or there's no set thing. Well, that's because there's no body type or set thing to be able to achieve these things. Like absolutely there are body types and training methods that help on a higher level. If you really want to win the race or set the FKT or, you know, break the record. Absolutely. You know, having a little bit more muscle mass or a little bit less fat or being a little bit younger and able to recover or able to not have kids in a full-time job and all of those things, those are going to weigh in the favor of those people. But the strength of the mind isn't insane. And um, I think that's why you see older ultra runners that have been in the sport a long time that they still go out and podium with guys 20, you know, or, or women 20 years younger than them. Like, I wouldn't want to try to race like Pam Reed. You know what I mean? Like, even though she's older per se, like mentally, that woman has been through some things. So yeah. I go against her in the middle of the night on a tough under miler. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it, we could just pick different people, but you know, Carl Metzler, he's still, he's still up in the mix when he races, you know? Um, and that's just because those people have tapped into that mental strength. And I think every time you tap into it, you find new levels of its capabilities. So, um, you always see like that one person in an ultra where you watch them as they pass you and they just look like the terminator. You're like, Whoa, (laughs) <laughs> what is going on in their brain right now? I passed once a, a marathon by a guy in a gorilla suit that was barefoot, and I felt that um, I was I was just very proppy for him, but I was also very upset with myself in that moment. <laughs> are you sure it wasn't? <laughs> are you sure it wasn't like a gorilla that escaped the zoo? No, it was literally a human in a suit that was still faster than me. But thank you for. <laughs> for really highlighting that <laughs> that's amazing oh man oh, and, that's... And on pavement which i do not think is the healthiest but we'll... no nah, man i i did a um a 50k on pavement and it was the worst i felt hands down the pavement pavement 100 milers are hard pavement races are hard i don't like them all right so take me back to hurt 100 really quick i just reading your post you had this whole like visualization called where you called it like holding on to the fire. Can you kind of talk about that? Like, what did that mean to you in the moment? And, and do you think like visualizations like that can really kind of help propel people through these things? I don't know. I don't think I've ever like tried to mentally engage in an ultra. I've just kind of been fit and I've showed up and I've done it. I've tried to distract myself when it's uncomfortable. So I wouldn't say I'm an expert in visualizations. This is like my day one. So I'm a one day expert. Um, But for me, like, I think the one thing I had that I was really confident about going into hurt was I had given birth to my child at my house with no pain medicine. And I knew that my body after that experience was capable of withholding and functioning through a much higher level of pain than I had ever put myself in for a run. And so I don't really know what tapped into it or like why that visualization, I think because my husband and I really like cooking shows. And so we watch a lot of like 
um well we're obsessed with great british baking show please hurry up and come out with a new um like series because we've watched them all like multiple times but there's a guy um he's kind of a chauvinist uh pig but he's a phenomenal chef by the name of francis malman and my husband really likes a lot of his um recipes and he does these really beautiful like outdoor fires and he um you know I don't eat meat but he'll do like you know a whole animal and he's not wasting any part of the animal and he'll like cook all of it and everything you know like literally the intestines are going to be utilized and everything and he's like very much about like honoring the land and so even though he's a bit of a womanizer I think he's a really cool chef and we really like have we have a couple of his books and we like like reading a lot of his stuff um you know, you can like somebody outside of some of their personal choices from time to time. Yeah. But so I have a vision of like just reaching in a big fire and like grabbing a cast iron pan. And I just told myself, like, if you hold on to the pan, like ultimately, if you're really fucking uncomfortable when you're running, you're done sooner. But if you're just moderately uncomfortable, like you usually are when you plop your way through a hundred miler, like your ass is going to be out here another few hours. Like you'll still get done. But every time you, you know, I didn't sit down, but every time you sit down or every time you like, whatever, do anything to stall the discomfort that we all find ourselves doing. Like most people, it's time in the aid stations. And I'm usually really against that. But like, I still find my ways to stall. Oh, I got to walk a little more up this hill or, oh, I think I want to eat. So I'm going to, I'm going to walk on this flat spot. You know, you find little mental ways that you break down and so I just kept telling myself, like, no, fuck no. Sorry, if I, can I say that on your podcast? Yeah, like, Go for it. Sorry, I say that a lot. Um, I'm going to probably regret that in a few more months when my son starts talking. But <laughs> I, I just kept telling myself, like, no, like, hold on to that fucking pan. Like, you hold on to it. You get this shit done. Literally, my flight out to come home to my son was booked at, like, 35 and a half hours. So I'm like, I don't have time to push this race to cutoffs like I can't do it because I'll miss my flight home and so I just told myself like hold on hold on and every time I like felt myself edging off I'm like no bitch hold on <laughs> like that's that was that was my pep talk it wasn't it's, very eloquent <laughs> yeah it's all it's like you're holding on to this hot pan no matter what like in an altar you're going to be in pain no matter what so you're like why prolong it like why not make yeah. it as short as possible Exactly. You were going to get burnt no matter what. So if you just burn a little harder, it was going to be done sooner. It was kind of my, so it wasn't probably very glamorous or like, I probably wouldn't give it in like a meditation to people, but it worked, you know? I love it. I think that's genius. I think it's pretty, I, you're 100% right with that. And it's a really great visualization to have during, during it, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. So then like, I don't know if you want to talk about the race specifically. We don't have to get kind of boring. But like I fell at mile 40 and I thought I had really like jacked myself up for lack yeah. of better words. Um, luckily, it was just a pretty bad like bone bruise that went away pretty quick after the race. But I didn't know like, okay, every step now, like, are you injuring something worse? Or are you... I was like, well, that doesn't matter. I came here to know I gave this race my 100%. And then I don't have to go back if I don't want to. Because I did, like I said, it's not my favorite trails. Absolutely love the community. Love the race for being there. Would love to volunteer. But it's not my favorite course. It's not my favorite race. Um, and so I told myself, 
Hey, if you apply yourself hundred percent, whatever that looks like, you don't have to come back. You don't have to do it again. So, cause I, I felt like it was this like the, when I finished it last time I had a race that I had signed up for and also got in the lottery unexpectedly, but they were 10 days apart. So as soon as hurt started being uncomfortable, I was like, Oh, well, I should just go easy because I have a race. Oh. in a few. And so I felt like I had walked away. Like I had completed the race, but I hadn't honored the race. And I, I wanted to honor the race with a full effort. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I, that's a super cool. So do you feel like hurt 100 for you? Like you've kind of put the bow on your own story there. Oh yeah. I've honored the shit out of that race. I, <laughs> I probably because I love everybody associated with that race. I love the community. I love the vibes. I don't love the chafe. I don't love the mud. I don't love the lack of views. I don't, I don't love kind of the dark forest. I like the climbing though. So I don't know, give me, give me a few years to get stupid and maybe have a glass of wine. I'll probably sign up. <laughs> um, yeah, because that's so, so there's no real, like, op- like it doesn't open up to any like ma- like huge views or anything. No, that's the thing is like literally of all of the trails on Oahu, it's yeah. the ugliest compilation. Like you cannot do more than four miles on Oahu without having like beautiful ocean views usually. And literally the whole time, the whole like 18 and a half, they call it 20, but 18 and a half, 19 mile loop, you're in the woods and they're, they're pretty woods, but it's literally just like, how did you manage to find this many miles without a view? (laughs) It's like actually impressive. (laughs) Um, That's amazing. I, I went uh, over Thanksgiving, we went to Hawaii um, and I know we went to Maui, which is like the most touristy one, right? I don't know. Oahu's right there, but it, okay. they're, it's just like you're, and that's the thing too, is I think my other beef with the hurt course is you are looking at your feet a lot because of the roots and the rocks. So you yeah. don't get to enjoy what you would, you know, like if you were just hiking those trails, you could see a little bit more, you might see some like birds or really pretty ferns, but you don't really even get to focus on that. Yeah. I was amazed by just like the, like, uh, diversity in different ecosystems like that you could run through. It was crazy. For sure. Yeah. There's so many. And that's, that's why we like big Island because it's got, you know, like almost every climate zone on the, in the world here. And you know, if it's pouring rain one place, you drive five miles and it's completely dry desert. Yeah, dude, that was so crazy. Cause like one, tra- I did two, two different trails there and one was like really in the woods and, you know, you climb up these peaks and all this stuff. And then probably like 20 minutes in the other direction, it was just all like volcanic rock and no tree, like one tree, I think the whole entire run. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that's what I like about here is I can kind of pick what ecosystem and I can run at sea level or 13,000 feet within a 30 minute drive. So I can pick wow. what elevation, but like a Billy and I always talk about like how this is, this Island specifically would blow up a thousand times more than like Boulder and Flagstaff. If people didn't have to pay to fly to races elsewhere, because we have the best trails in the world here. Yeah. Like, I don't doubt it. Like it was, it was cool. And I saw a whale from my trail run and I was like, that'll, I'd never expected that. Yeah. And just like on this Island specifically, there's like, 
I don't know, like 20 different choices for roads that are like 40 to 60 miles dirt road one way. So you could literally just run like anything you want, you know. You should probably not give the secret away. So like, you know, not thousands of people are moving in, you know. I, I don't know that I've sold. So my buddy Trevor Fuchs is going to live two blocks away. They're moving here. Uh, our friend Wookie Kim, um, he actually bought a place two blocks from me. Uh, Bradley's here a lot. Claire Gallagher's here a lot. Um, Alephine Tulamuk is potentially going to buy property out here. So, I mean, there's people know it's, yeah. it's, I don't care if we have more people that want to do trails then maybe we can convince the government here to put more money into the maintaining them. So that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, I have to hear about what does a flight feel like after a hundred mile race? <laughs> so one of my best friends here was, um, not vaccinated. So she wasn't able to be at the race, but she did fly over to kind of like help me get to the airport. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So first off, I got a wheelchair. I didn't even try. I was just, I need a wheelchair. I'm going to need somebody to get that to this, this car right here. Cause I'm not, no, we are not walking to the wheelchair for the airport. And I'm feeling pretty awful about myself and my lack of alcohol that's in my system. And there's no <laughs> alcohol. I feel like I should probably like get home first. Um, and then I was like, you know what? This is too terrible. I'm going to have a weed gummy, which I'm legal to do that. So I had a weed gummy because I was like, the pain level was right there. It was, it was pretty awful. But then we got there so early, like they were so efficient with that wheelchair that I was like, oh crap. Now I have like an hour. I have to sit at the skate in this wheelchair and it hurt too bad to like sit. So I had her like help peel me so I could just like lay flat on my back. And we just kind of like, it was, it was very pitiful, to be honest. It was, it was probably one of the more pitiful, disgusting things I've ever done. Was it, I, I mean, were you just, you know, like wearing the Hurt 100 shirt, like look, or like, you know what I mean? Like, hey, I obviously just did something crazy. No, I, I don't know. I'm not a big shirt or metal person. I think they offered me a hat, but it looked like the Trump hat. So I told them no thanks. But um, I think like I do keep buckles. I don't keep medals, but I'd, so I did have my buckle somewhere in my suitcase. But no, I I went to so I had a couple of random people um, pacing like pace me because, like I said, my one friend was unvaccinated. So the people I had pacing me, I'd never met before. I didn't know. Um, and they were, I think our original plan was like to drive the car back, but then I was a little bit slower than I was hoping. So I was in a borrowed car. And so like, they just did everything for us. It was insane. Like they were like, oh, hey, you're not going to make it. We'll get this car back returned for you. Hey, why don't you come to my house and shower? And I'm like, I don't think I can shower. I'll help you get in the bath. I'm like, okay. So I was able to like rinse off on the way to the airport, but there was like less than 40 minutes to like finish the race, get to the airport. And so it was, it was pretty tight for somebody who couldn't really walk. That is wild. That's one of the, uh, that's one of the things, you know, when you become a parent and you've been an athlete too, they don't tell you like the kids don't know. So it's like you get home and they're like, oh, cool. Dad's home. Let's jump on him a bunch. And you're like, I can't like walk. <laughs> um, yeah. But they do, I, they just don't know. So you're like, I guess dad mode is is 24-7, you know? Yeah, I had some pretty epic chafe, as I always do when I run there. Another reason I don't love those trails. And it was like 
the length of from my knees up like I my thighs they're they're thick with like two cues like and it was it was just not delightful and so I'm pretty sure I woke up because Cosmo sleeps in our bed I don't know if I can say that that's probably more offensive than the f word to some people but he sleeps in bed with us um which I know is controversial like I don't know but we're happy with it it works well for our family and um he woke me up multiple times the next night, like slapping me in the thigh. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> and then he like would like, he still always wakes me up in the morning. Cause he'll just like pop up and he sits up and he starts giggling and he just like whacks me in the face. Cause he hasn't learned that's not cool, but that's <laughs> up every morning anyway. But, um, yeah, it, you know what's funny like- is I always think like kids have to be so confused about high fives, you know? Cause you're like, Hey, hitting don't, we, we don't hit like, it's probably not like you don't want to hit people, but then you're like high five though, but you can hit my hand as hard as you want. Little kid. Right. Yeah. I'm trying really hard to like, just work on him not hitting me in the face right now. So we're no high fives in my house. Okay. If you come to. <laughs> um, I do want to, uh, so to kind of wrap up, like speaking of, of mom mode, um, like, I, I just want your perspective on a couple of things. Like, I just think maybe the perception could be that like having a kid could somehow like hold you back or anchor you as an adventurer um, or whatever, as an athlete or, or whatever. But I actually think like, it's actually just, it's a different way of experiencing. Like if we talk specifically about an adventure, like once you take your kid out there with you, you're experiencing it at a whole different level than you did before. And I just wanted to hear your perspective on that. And I know he's like only a year old, but so I don't know how, you know, how you probably, you know, like with my kids who are a little bit older, like you hear them talking about it and you get to see how they experience the hike or whatever you're doing. So, yeah. I don't know. It was actually, um, not hurt related, but it's even a little bit more recently. We went to Alaska, um, maybe like a month ago. And it was the first time I like bit the bullet and did, um, I put our son in one of the hard case carriers. Cause you know, I was really scared to, I was trying some uh, cross country skiing and I'm, I've only snowboarded before. So my first time and first experiences skiing are like with my son attached. So I wanted to borrow a hard, I, or I was able to borrow a hard case carrier. Um, like the one of the big ones that goes on the back. Um, yeah. cause we have, but we didn't want to fly with it. And so I was really fortunate to um, have a friend of a friend, uh, our friend, Jen, um, she had a friend named Nina who lives in Anchorage and was just like, here, take all of my things. And she just like <laughs> gave, that, like, she gave me her own skis. So I don't even have to rent them. She gave me a kid carrier, like a ton of clothes, which was great because cold weather gear is really pricey, especially for a kid who's going to wear it once and never fit it again. And so she just like loaned us like hundreds of dollars worth of gear with like never meeting me before. And so it was really cool. I was like, no, I'm going to use this carrier because she gave it to me. And so I like got out there skiing with him and then like fell a few times, a little sketchy. And I was like, all right, maybe it's a little aggressive to be like doing this new hobby at high speed and like fall. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try like shuffle running. And it was the coolest experience he absolutely every time I would go slow like and just walk because I don't know ski hills are steep when you're hiking up them 
he would start like me in the back of the head like he wanted me to go faster and I would like try running and he would be like giggling hysterically so I don't know it's been cool because now I I had actually already ordered a hard carrier but now I've been hiking with it and I'm kind of trying to incorporate that in my ultra training like once a week I'm hitting the trails but it might be two miles an hour but let me tell you that two miles an hour is harder than any seven mile an hour run I do (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's so cool though like i because you know i took my three-year-old hiking up these trails i run all the time and but going up with her was like just it just made it way more special like it was just like oh this is now these trails have like a special memory that i'll always be able to associate with it yeah and i've just noticed you know because he's i mean he's verbal but not so much in english right now um so I'll notice things like he'll like grab a leaf and start talking and, you know, babbling at it. And he's very much um, kind of already getting into toddler phase, even though he's not quite a year and he's very much being very clear about what he does and doesn't like. So, you know, he's good at communicating to that extent. Yeah. Um, And he just loves being outside. Like there's every time we're inside or we're outside and we're going inside, there's like the most epic meltdown of all epic meltdowns. Like you would think I have to hold the kid. He's going inside to be locked in a cage for the rest of his life. <laughs> like every time it's like a full emotional breakdown and it's really cool. Cause I'm like, all right, dude, I'm feeling you. Like we're the same. We yeah. got this. To- we both just want to be outside all the time. I get it. And so, okay. <laughs> that's, um, that's awesome. I was trying to explain this to a friend the other night that I think is maybe considering having kids and she never has is having, at least for me, having kids is like learning to be maybe like what people said about the beginning of COVID. Like you learn to explore within your own community, like having is learning to find your adventures inside a little bit more boundaries. Like, can I hop on a plane to India tomorrow? and like backpack through and stay at hostels like I would have a few years ago without any thought no because I'd probably be unsafe um but I can inner island hop with minimal maintenance or I can fly to Alaska with like less than a week planning like I did and find a friend to borrow some gear from and have a great time like there's still a lot that we adventure it's just I have to be a little more thoughtful but I almost like it because it requires a little more creativity yeah yeah and it's also like things you may not have done otherwise you know like you might go to a new place just because it's more convenient with the kiddo and it's a place you may never have gone before and you might find that you like really enjoy it there yeah I never would have gone to Alaska and stayed at a resort like I would have (laughs) hostel and you know some random and like you know had to backpack in so definitely like but that said we had really great dinners at the resort and check it out they have room service when you stay at a real hotel like you know if there's and I think it's just kind of like the even like ultra running it's just like deciding how you're going to frame it are you going to be positive or negative and I think we've all seen that one ultra runner that's like screaming at his crew and having a crappy time. Like, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. No, totally. (laughs) Totally. Um, (laughs) I love that. Alex, where can people kind of like find, you know, I know you're, you coach and you do online coaching and, and things like that. Like where can people kind of connect with you? 
So Instagram's probably like everybody's go-to these days. Um, so that's just Dr. D-R Alex, A-L-Y-X, Barnett, B-A-R-N-E-T-T. Um, or, you know, if they want to go to my website, it's monafitness.com. Um, it's awful. I did it myself like 15 years ago. Um, so, you know, there's that, but it's hey, there. I like a bigfoot.com also awful. And also I did it myself. So perfect. I'm with you. <laughs> Uh, you know, I feel like websites, like I even decided that if I was even going to keep it up, because I'm like, you know, I don't use them, but. Well, that's my thing. I'm like, I, I, mean, I guess there's ways to find out, but I'm like, I don't even know who visits this, you know? Yeah. I can tell you how to figure that out, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure I could try to figure it out, but whatever. Uh, no, that's awesome. Thank you, Alex, for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, what's your next race? You mentioned a hundred miler coming up. Yeah. So I'm going to do the Bighorn 100. So that is going to be the next time I'm going to be away from my son. So my husband and I talked about it and we decided that it's easier for me to just do the race. So I'm really pumped. I'm going to fly into uh, Bozeman and drive out with my friend Mallory. And we're just going to have like a four day party fest of like way too much beer and a lot of dirty jokes. And I'm also going to try to run a little bit in the middle. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. What, um, what uh can you talk a little bit about born or uh christopher mcdougall's book yeah so he's doing like essentially i think he's calling it like born to run too but it's, i keep it's seeing be- that so i kept saw, seeing that on his social media and i was like oh i don't know if i should say the name <laughs> what? no no no. i think it's good i think he's fine because he's he's like announcing it. it's coming out i think in october of this year um okay but like what we're working i'm working on him in a couple capacities so billy and i are kind of part of a chapter he's doing or I, I don't know if we're the chapter or part of it I think we're just a part of it um kind of on our thoughts on like how to juggle family life um parenting running really just you know I, like I said I'm not an expert so I really hope my voice of um you know communicate with your partner and don't be an asshole comes out in the and in and you know um then I'm also writing a chapter or helping him write a chapter on nutrition. Oh, that's so awesome. I did a lot of uh, recipes for him. Um, some plant-based, some not plant-based, some keto, some not, some, you know, pro-gluten. Like everybody that knows me well knows I pretty much do my ultra runs on like beer and sour candy. So, but uh, you know, that's what my background is, is in nutrition. So um you know, finding recipes that are easy for people that are busy. So I wrote a lot of recipes that are like five minutes or less um, for people that, you know, have jobs and kids and lives and they still want to try to eat healthier. That's awesome. Yeah. That's something that that's huge. Yeah. I will be using some of those recipes probably. Well, (laughs) you're, you're friends with the writer. So I could probably just airdrop you some Google files before the book. (laughs) I will also be buying the book though at some point. Okay. Yeah. As long as I time them out. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, Alex, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to catch up with you again at some point. But good luck with all that stuff. That's I'm excited for you for Bighorn. Yeah, me too. I'm stoked to see what it feels like when you train for a hundred miler and run it. <laughs> All right, that wraps up this week's episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining. 
Uh, thanks, Alex, for coming on. Thanks for sharing her stories and her perspectives. Um, I just love the idea of someone basically signing up for the Hurt 100 a couple weeks out or like, you know, realizing they're going to run it and then running it and then having to instantly get on a flight back home. That's amazing. And uh, yeah, Alex is an awesome athlete. And I think that's a that's a huge, huge, huge accomplishment. Um, so thank you for coming on the show. Please check out all of her stuff. If you're looking for a coach, definitely reach out to her. I was thinking back like when, when I interviewed her and Billy before, it was kind of funny because I definitely like geeked out with Billy about teaching because Billy is also a teacher, a middle school teacher. Um, and then this time with Alex, we just geeked out about being parents. So <laughs> kind of cool. Uh, you get to, you know, have ultra running be like this entry into conversation, like something you have in common with people and then kind of talk about these bigger concepts. Um, but speaking of teaching and parenting, this has been an insanely busy week. Uh, I'm recording this outro at 4.30 in the morning um, on Thursday. And the last two days I've had parent-teacher conferences, which is always an interesting time, always fun, but also just adds, you know, like eight hours to your work week. Um, but... But yeah, so that was really interesting. Uh, the other thing that's cool is uh, we had John Peterson on the podcast a few weeks ago. And John is a leadership coach. Uh, and he gave me this con this idea to do with the kids where they look for their core values. Um, and on Friday, my leadership class is going to be able to do a like, Zoom meeting with John and get a chat with him, pick his brain. Uh, you know, all that stuff. So I'm super psyched for that. That's going to be really fun. Um, and then parent mode, dad mode. So I watched all of our kids all weekend long while my wife was out at a conference and it was awesome and it was so good. And it was, the kids had a blast. I had a blast. It was like, I got to put everything else aside and just be 100% in dad mode, which is what like I sh people should do all the time, right? Like when you're parenting, you need to be there parenting. And but you know, reality sets in, and sometimes you're at least I talking by my own experience, I'm not the best at that um, all the time. Like if I'm, I sometimes you know you you have to be working on something else, and while also with your kids and things like that, but. Uh, this weekend was nice and special because I got to put everything else aside and just 100% be there for the kids, which was awesome. And it was good. <laughs> I was going so well. And then Sunday night, my wife comes home and I have them all like peacefully sleeping. Like they're already asleep. She walks in. I'm like, yeah, like I've, I'm sure I, like I look like an amazing dad because the house is still standing they're all asleep. They're all fine. And she goes, I was like, wow, you did a great job. I'm like, I know. Thank you. Um, how was your conference? And we started talking for like five minutes and then the reality set back in and my littlest one just started like throwing up everywhere. <laughs> so I was like, welcome back. I promised they were fine the whole weekend. But, um, uh, but yeah, that's just how it goes sometimes. Um, 
it, I love it though. Like honestly, it does add like we Alex and I talked about. It adds this extra element to an adventure. Whether you're with your kid doing doing the adventure, the hike, or whatever, or the bike ride, um, that adds that extra element because you get to kind of see this whole experience through their eyes. But I've also found that when I'm out by myself, it also is adding this extra layer because it that's my time where I really get to stop and think about the kiddos and think about and really appreciate like how lucky I am and things like that. So even, you know, it just, it's, and it's so obvious to say, but you know, having kids like the biggest thing in my life and you know, it is, it, it basically I'm thinking about them all the time and I love it and it's awesome and it does add this extra kind of element to my life and and uh any adventures that I'm going on um speaking of going on adventures uh next week I don't think there will be a podcast um we are going to be on spring break uh so we are traveling uh and I'm traveling with all of the kiddos um and so I don't think I'm going to have time to sit and record a podcast with somebody. So I apologize for that. Um, but at the same time, it's going to be an awesome break an awesome adv- adventure where we're flying to a couple different spots. Um, so and visiting some, some grandparents and things like that. So it'll be super cool. Um, but yeah, so we will be back, uh, in a couple weeks with a new episode. Uh, I have a couple in the works that I'm very, very excited for and yeah, it's going to be fun. All right, see you then.